Combine review, standout running backs, one running back who might have hurt himself the most in Indianapolis, one offensive tackle that is meteorically rising up NFL draft boards. It's trade season now with all the conversations and whispers happening behind the scenes in Indianapolis and franchise tags being handed out. All that and more coming up on today's Peacock and Williamson. You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. Brian Peacock and Matt Williamson with you at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL. Today's episode brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Draft props too; those are fun. Bet online where the game starts. All right, we I mean, this is going to be a, a a packed episode, a packed week, Matt, and we don't have time to wrap the combine. I think we're going to have to take all week to wrap up the combine. And I'm going back to some prospects, trying to 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 see if I missed anything on defensive linemen that are running four threes. And uh, it, it was a really fast class at Indy. I, I can say that. And um, it, it makes the draft a lot more fun now, getting a lot more names in the old b- mind Rolodex, right, rolling through there. Um, and uh, I have some questions for you about maybe some things that could have changed at the top. There's some news to get to before we finish up some of the offensive players at the Combine on today's show. We'll dig into the defense later on in the week. The trade market heating up. And yeah, yeah. Uh, there were some, uh, and it happens at the Combine, a lot of whispers. And then whichever whispers, like, past the anonymous source filter and end up coming out of the mouths and the the Twitter fingers of Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport. Those are the things that really you think might be on the front burner for some teams. And we had talked about the New York Giants maybe listening to offers for everybody. And this is actually going to be a lot of fun. And I know Giants fans uh, are, are, are used to Dave Gettleman, who doesn't trade at all, doesn't do anything fun as a GM. He's a, basically a stick in the mud, right? And now with Joe Shane coming from Buffalo, Buffalo loved trades the, the trade market and really yeah, made their true. team a lot better and i think we're going to see more of that in new york now and they're listening to offers for saquon barkley and a new name this weekend cornerback james bradbury could be had in a trade according to ian rapaport and, and they're trying to get under the salary cap there so a couple of interesting names on the market it sounds as if they're not getting much in the in the offer department for saquon barkley but a starting caliber corner really good player in james bradbury uh i could see a team throwing a draft pick at especially if they come in second to say jc jackson or stefan gilmore in the free agent market really interesting i mean i'm sure you get kenny galladay at a pretty good price right about now too (laughs) probably a lot of giants actually they've got you know a, a veteran roster with some expensive players and they didn't win in that you know in that vein so i think there could be numerous guys available for the giants and a new gm that's not afraid to trade yeah and you gotta think about it how he takes over this job as the new gm there and says wow i got two really early picks that's awesome Uh, i got another early one in the second round my draft capital is wonderful that gives me leeway to move around if need be or at a minimum just grab two blue chip guys and you know, go from there with the, some of the younger guys we brought in last year and with the previous regime. But I don't have any cap space, and I inherited some bad contracts, and I know that I'm not close to winning. I mean, I, I reference this all the time. I mean, only the Jags are worse over the last five years in this organization. And, you know, I brought in what I think is the right guy to get Daniel Jones back on track, but that's also a big ask. I mean, I don't care if it's Bill Walsh or whoever comes in getting Daniel Jones to where he needs to be is going to be a tough chore. 
I do think it's the right call, though, because I think Jones hasn't really had a, a true fair shake, you know, and he has, seems to have a new offensive coordinator all the time and things like that. So I'm cool with it for the year. But, boy, I mean, if I can create cap space and generate youth that way by getting some of these bad contracts off my books, and I'm not even saying Barkley or Bradbury or, you know, you know, fire sales. You know, they're useful players. You just might be able to turn them into picks. And where this team is at, certainly that makes sense. And, again, kind of like you, you mentioned, you could go – add a corner in the draft or free agency or whatever. And at least it's the contract you decided, not a big one you inherited. Yeah, two first-round picks, five and seven. You could move down and get more picks from some of those. You can go in a lot of mm-hmm. different directions. There might be a team that comes calling. Uh, so uh, in any number of directions, the Giants could go right now. And probably Joe Shane's thinking, okay, I need a, more of a clean slate here, especially with the salary cap and some of the veterans on the roster, to build this thing that we're trying to do here long-term. And uh, it sounds like maybe quarterback won't be – the thing to do in the draft for them this year and right. then next year reevaluate. So I wonder if, uh, you know, flipping some stuff into future picks could be big for the Giants as well in this. And real quick, I think people need this week's really interesting to me because, as is the case with me, I'm home and regrouping from all the overload of information mm-hmm. that came in Indy. Well, it's multiply that times a thousand for every <laughs> NFL team, yeah. you know. So all these guys are the scouts are going back to the drawing board a little bit. The, the GMs are thinking big picture, you know, like, boy, I mean, one of my side note, one of my favorite, you know, sweet spots of this draft are the day two linebackers. I'm sure we'll talk linebackers late in the week and they shined, you know, so maybe a team's like, yeah, we need a linebacker, but there's so many of them. We'll get them in the second or third round. I wasn't sure about that. Now I have the combine information. Mm-hmm. That's pretty close to the final piece of the puzzle. I, I can trade a linebacker or, yeah, I mean, hypothetically, the Giants fell in love with Sauce, uh, Sauce Gardner in Indy, you know, and loved them before, and now they really love them. Yeah. Let's move Bradbury. Our second first-round pick is going to be him, and that just all adds up. You know, and so they're going back and refining their strategy this week, and we'll talk about some franchise tag stuff, some trade stuff. So you just have to think as these decision-makers and the scouts think, and this week's really interesting. It's kind of regroup and maybe go be aggressive for – Man, I love the wide receivers. I thought I loved the wide I'm, I'm t- totally making this up. I thought I loved the wide receivers in this class. When I got to Indy, I didn't like him as much as I thought. So maybe I'll call Dallas about Amari Cooper. You know, whatever. Yep, and that was the next name I was going to bring up. Amari Cooper potentially available. He's set to make around $20 million. And they uh, there was a surprising deal with Michael Gallup to stick around, right? So um, mm-hmm. if you're going to stick with Michael Gallup there, in Dallas, and you've obviously you got C.D. Lamb, so that's the obvious place to go. Then is Amari Cooper, and there's even potential if they can't find a trade partner. The way I understand it, is to even cut Amari Cooper and get that money completely off the books. But I would think there's some sort of a trade market, and then that team could restructure. So we'll see how that goes. But again, I think yeah, a, a lot of information overload for teams. They they talk to every GM in the league. You know, the the Washington Commanders. The report was they called every team in the NFL about trading for their quarterback. Like they're serious about adding a quarterback <laughs> yeah. right now, including making a big offer for Russell Wilson. And then, so now teams can sit down. It's like, okay, we've talked this trade with this team, this with this team. We've seen that we've checked boxes with some of the prospects in, in the draft. And then you decide what to act on. So I think we might see some action in the next coming days. hundred percent. And the thing I should have led off with the last, you know, last conversation I just had, or the last sentences I just kind of uttered there is, 
all the GMs and all the decision makers and owners are all in the same city. So you can pull one of the guys aside and be like, so let's talk trade in person, you know, and have a beverage and chat about it. Or I'm hearing this, I'm hearing that. So (laughs) I think you know, and free agency's right around the corner. I'm not yeah. sure we brought that up, but free agency's like a week away. Well, I mean, that's uh, yeah, so, that's the next topic of of conversation is those franchise tags that are starting to roll in today. So yeah, there's a ton to get into. Free agency's going to be huge. There's agents there, so I'm sure there was a lot of conversations in. And we know there's a legal tampering period, but uh, I, I'm sure there it's is. always a little bit odd when there's two. It's it's too. When, when free agent contracts happen too quickly, right? And so uh, you know some of those things are happening and maybe some conversations happen off the record with uh, agents there at the Combine. And I wonder how some of those conversations go. So one GM pulls a, another GM aside or they're, you know, they're having drinks at the, at the steakhouse or something after one of the days of workouts. And he's like, oh, yeah, hey, Amari Cooper. Talk to me about Amari Cooper. What are you looking for? And, uh, you know, they say, oh, uh, you know, like a first-round pick or something. And the other GM is, like, completely uninterested now at this point and says, okay, cool. Well, uh, you know, tell the wife I said hi kind of thing. You know, like, I wonder how those conversations go. And then he goes back and reports. He's like, look, if we want Amari Cooper, it might take more than we want to give up, but it's it's an option. So just the the quick little conversations, I wonder, and and – uh, and then the deeper conversations, like, okay, I'm interested. Well, would, would you take a, a would you take a second round pick for Amari Cooper? And like, you know, and I wonder how deep those trade negotiations actually go. That are just, you know, not official, official, not picking up the phone, not putting anything on paper. So I would love to hear some of those conversations someday. Yeah, absolutely. Like, well, you know, Cooper's a big contract. We've heard a lot of rumors that you'd probably cut him if you can't find a partner. We understand he's a great player. I'm the Indianapolis Colts and he would fit in well with Pittman and we don't have a first round pick. So maybe we'll trade you some cap space and a fourth for Cooper, you know? Eh, okay. I mean, I'll keep that in mind, you know, go to the next guy, you know, just kind of keep chatting around. So uh, the more I think about it, if I feel like you and I could probably do two pod, two podcasts a day this week. You know, I mean, we have all the combine stuff to rehash, all the news that's about to break, free agency's right around the corner. We haven't even prefaced, you know, who are the top free agents at every position all that much yet. Like, there's a lot going on all of a sudden, and we know when free agency opens, that's floodgates galore. We could do a podcast every three hours. <laughs> oh, and and then there's the latest Aaron Rodgers stuff. And, oh, by the way, yeah, uh, I know right. Peter Bukowski has been busy with Aaron Rodgers, and uh, those podcasts have sort of written themselves over the course of the offseason covering Aaron Rodgers. The latest on Aaron Rodgers, let's talk franchise tags, then we'll get to the running back position at the Combine and one offensive tackle that might have helped himself as much as anybody so far this draft season coming up. Some longtime listeners might remember the Built Bar March Madness bracket from last year, and I believe it was Coconut Brownie that was the winner. I'm not as much of a coconut guy. My favorite flavor has always been the peanut butter, the peanut butter brownie flavors. But I think if there was a bracket this year, Built Bar Puffs would be gaining momentum and potentially take the bracket. There's a number of new puff flavors of Built Bars at Built.com. Puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow, fluffy, marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar, they're a treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Churro puff, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. To me, though, I'm still going with the peanut butter. And you can get a box of mixed 
flavors at built.com most built bars contain only 130 calories only four grams of sugar 17 grams of protein you can feel good about eating a healthy treat and throw out all of those candy bars go to built.com today and use promo code locked 15 you can get 15 percent off of your order again our promo code is locked 15 for 15 percent off at built.com Thanks, everybody, for making Peacock and Williamson your first listen every day. Make sure you check out Locked On NFL. They are bringing you all the latest in the NFL under 30 minutes every single day. And, of course, just like Peacock and Williamson, every podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network is free and available on all of your favorite podcast providers. Matt, the latest with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, At some point, he's going to decide something, but apparently... And I think you talked about this last week, and, and those are the things you heard, and it kind of comes together. But it's it's really weird to hear, and, I, and shout out again to Peter Bukowski, who hosts Locked On Packers. He put it this way. He said, go home and tell your wife that you're not going to leave her. But if you did, you know exactly who you would leave her for. You know? <laughs> and so I, I thought that was kind of funny. Obviously, this is a much different situation. But apparently... Audrey's? The neighbor and I have gotten along really well. Yeah. So if I do decide to stick around, I don't want to leave you. But if not, I did, it would be for you know Maybelline across the street, or Sally in a couple cities down. Yeah. Or maybe know. Sally too would maybe uh, be a possibility. A couple options here, huh? <laughs> uh, so <laughs> basically, Rogers, you know, Green Bay is is option one, the most obvious option. But the Denver Broncos, as we've known for a long time, but a couple of new teams. And, and, and like solidifying Rogers' mindset here, maybe a little bit with some of these uh, rumors, the Tennessee Titans and the Pittsburgh Steelers, Matt, or a couple of other teams. So Green Bay, Denver, Tennessee, and Pittsburgh. One of those four places is where Aaron Rodgers will play this year. And since you're a guy that covers the Steelers, I had to ask your thoughts on that report. You said Green Bay, Denver, Tennessee, Stullers. That's it. Yep. Denver to me still makes the most sense. You know, I mean, to me, that that's an easy one. We've talked about it many times going back to last year's draft. Uh, I have a little skin in the game, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna mention you know my thoughts. But let's say Aaron Rodgers costs you two first this year's and next year's. Is that too much? Too little? I'd be asking for more, especially with a team that's drafting in the 20s already that will for sure be drafted in the 20s next year if they bring in Aaron Rodgers. If you're talking about, you know, the Eagles, who have three first-round picks this year, I'd probably Mm -hmm. be asking for all those. I'm thinking if I'm the Titans or Steelers. If you're Gutekunst and the Titans and Steelers call you 20-ish this year and next year's probably playoff pick doesn't get it done, right? No, I, I, I would be asking for a lot more, and I would hope that Aaron Rodgers chooses Denver in that case and get a top 10 pick this year. And, mm-hmm. I mean, just, so put it this way. Uh, pick, Three years of Rodgers, though, and 45 to $50 million a year cap right. space. It, that's, that's what makes it tough, and you have to be willing to do everything it takes if you're one of those teams going to get Aaron Rodgers because it's going to cost you. Put it this way, though. So Denver's pick nine alone is probably worth more than Pittsburgh's pick 20 this year and whatever first rounder they have next year, because if they wanted to trade up to nine, that's what Denver would be asking for. Let's say Pittsburgh says, Mm -hmm. if you want to trade up for Malik Willis, let's call the Broncos. Broncos would say, "Okay, give me pick 20. 
and next and your next year's first. You know, that's the starting point. So that's pretty much exactly what it costs, and more actually. You probably need a, a day two pick a or third an or extra. Yeah, right. that's what it costs. Uh, in, in fact, it was exactly pick twenty that the Bears were at last year when they traded up for Justin Fields, and they only went up to eleven instead of pick nine. So, and to your point, I'd much rather have the 2023 first from the Steelers or Titans with Malik Willis as their quarterback, as opposed to Aaron Rodgers as their quarterback. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Right. So <laughs> yeah. Denver's pick nine is as valuable as, as the Steelers next two first round picks in, in my I opinion. You're and you're at. still getting a second first round pick from Denver, which obviously would probably be a, a later pick. But um, so for that reason, the, the Steelers and, and the Titans are way behind the Broncos in what they can offer in just straight up draft picks just because of what they have in the first round this year. Okay. So that's out of the way. I mean, we, we don't know the compensation, but at least we kind of narrowed it down a little bit. I very much believe Tennessee, if they added Rodgers for, and assume they won't have their first this year, and maybe you could trade Tannehill for a third to Washington or Tampa. I what mean, about this? I think Tannehill, you know, you get something back for Tannehill. Yes, you get something back for Tannehill. What about this? Steel, what if this was a three-way deal? Rodgers goes to Tennessee. What would the Steelers, what would you give up if you were in charge of the Steelers? You're Kevin Colbert right now. What what do you give Tennessee for Ryan Tannehill, or are you not interested? I don't love it. I mean, it, it's it's a third-ish. You know, I mean, he's in the mm-hmm. Jimmy Cousins neighborhood. Um, That's so, what's tough yeah, about I all this. I do think this. Tennessee could turn him into a third, though. <laughs> yeah, you, you should be able to get a, a day-two pick, for sure. For, and and yeah. maybe even more for yeah, a, a, a quarterback-needy team, because I could absolutely see a, a team out there, once that happens, saying, well, the best quarterback we can get is a healthy Ryan Tannehill over an injured, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo who's having shoulder surgery right now, and, uh, you know, Cousins right. costs a lot more in uh, in salary. So, um, yeah, I could see then Tannehill being the number one guy on the market. And, and maybe you talk a team into a second or even a, a future first or something like that. So um, that's an interesting one. But the funny Here's thing... my quick question to you, though. I think we probably both would agree that Tennessee would be the favorite in the South in that scenario, right? Say again? The Titans would be the favorite in their division if they made the Rodgers trade. Clearly, right? I think they're the favorite anyway. Right, right. And uh, they might be the better. favorite if uh, – I don't even know who their backup quarterback is, but I think they might be the favorite at that point, knowing what's going on right. now in Indy, too. So, um, Would the Steelers, though? Yes. Oh, yeah. The Steelers would be the favorite, but obviously much more competition for the top spot. And you could argue mm-hmm. that Cincinnati, who I think will be better this year than they were making a Super Bowl run last year, uh, and obviously the uh, a huge comeback season for – because everything just went wrong for – Baltimore last year you, you know I right, mean that's just right. a really tough division so um, and I'm not counting Cleveland out if you're either. trying to win and you're Aaron Rodgers the Titans that's where that starts to make a lot of sense absolutely and that's a very attractive spot I'd love I'd love to get in the NFC South the NFC North where we're already at or the AFC South because Aaron Rodgers is enough to win those three divisions by himself yes absolutely but Staying in Green Bay is still your best shot if you're Aaron Rodgers. So it is. It you is. got to dominate. The I don't headlines. think the Steelers things are going to happen. By no, the way, I, but I understand the intrigue. And it's so hard for people who cover the Steelers or fans of the Steelers, fans of you know Tennessee now, fans of Denver to move past that because after Rodgers is not an option anymore, then you look at the rest and you're really disappointed, right? Like Tannehill totally or, or Cousins or Garoppolo would all be such a huge disappointment to those fan bases that are all oh maybe we'll get Aaron Rodgers, right? You know, I mean. Your other additions would be much different if you're trying to win the Super Bowl right now. You know, maybe you 
sign Morgan Moses at right tackle instead of using a second round pick on a developmental tackle. You know, I mean, things like that. Like every there's a ripple effect to your team if you make that deal. Obviously, you don't have a first round pick. You have much less draft capital and you have much less cap space. But all of a sudden, it's not let's get some young guys and build from the ground up. It's what does Aaron need to win this whole thing now? We've got to get to the franchise tag deadline. And there's a couple of names that have already been franchise tags now today. One that surprises me and one that does not. Orlando Brown getting the franchise tag officially. And the Cleveland Browns are slapping the franchise tag on tight end David Njoku. And I thought Njoku needed a fresh start for years now. And it's sort of frustrating watching this team that that he would get franchise tagged. He's First of all, he's the backup tight end, right? So that's kind an of. odd one. And the, the tight end... Tag isn't as big of a number as some other position groups, but can you explain the Njoku franchise tag to me? Uh, you told me about it as we were right before we hit record, and I went, "Whoa, okay." You know, just like probably everyone listening the first time they heard it, he's not because he's not that caliber of player. You know, I mean, he's not Kelsey and, and Kittle and those type of guys. Of course, I will say I was infatuated with him, Howard, and Ingram that draft year, which seems like a million years ago now, but I thought they were all going to be stars. And there's a lot of talent there. And I do think, and Mayfield didn't help, and it was hard to notice, that Njoku had a very good year. Also, by far, by far, it's not even close, Cleveland plays the most 13 personnel in the league. One back, three tight ends. I mean, they they are... Double number two. I mean, they're way above everybody else. And I also think, and I was critical of them of their Austin Hooper signing two years ago, just because I think he's okay. I mean, he's a good player, but I could see him getting cut as a result. That starts to make a lot more sense if that's right. in the works. Um, maybe Jarvis Landry is another player that, and, and they want to keep as many pass oh, catchers I think he's around. Gone, yeah. yeah. And so. Um, there are a, a few play, and and they need more pass catchers too, which is interesting. With with the I really Browns. think their first round pick will be Garrett Wilson or Burks or you know one of the or maybe the first yeah one of those o- Ohio receivers right that would make a lot of sense. Sure, sure. I mean, uh, whoever you like. I mean, but there's there's going to be a nice receiver sitting there in the mid first round for them. Speaking of receivers, there's whispers that Mike Williams could get the franchise tag. That wide receiver franchise tag number is pretty high. And you see a team like the Cowboys who are trying not to pay $20 million this year to Amari Cooper and Mike Williams. If he was to receive the franchise tag with, uh, with some of the wide receiver contracts, including Cooper's that we've seen recently and Deandre Hopkins per year salary is way up there. I think it's something like 27 million really skews things for that franchise tag number. Are you going to tag a wide receiver like Mike Williams for 20 plus million dollars? It might even be like $22 million at this point, which is what the, the average of the top five salaries would be per year for wide receivers in the NFL. One thing I've noticed and was brought up to me a couple times this past week is I think the NFL values Williams more than us fantasy football players. You know what I mean? Like if he was to hit the open market, a couple people told me you'll be shocked what he gets if he's actually get if teams get in a bidding war for him. I mean, uh, we mentioned Kenny Galladay earlier in the in the podcast i mean he's worth a lot more than galladay was a year ago and they're similar styles you know he's younger uh, earlier pick so i never looked at him in that light i kind of like ah, i like him i own him in like all my dynasty leagues and he's a little hit or miss but 
I think the league likes him more than us guys that play fantasy football every Sunday. I guess I could see that, and may, and that's yeah. or and, and that doesn't mean you can't still get a deal done. So maybe that's like them saying we're still going to work out a deal with you. We're going to tag you for now, but before the you know the contract deadline of, of you getting locked in at just that number, we're gonna we don't want to lose you. We're, we want to do a deal with you. Yeah, and you know it's kind of a run it back scenario for your young quarterback that Allen's a stud, and but he's not young, and he's very different than Williams and Palmer's looming out there too. But you don't have much of a tight end presence, so hey, we're trying to win now with Herbert. We'll at least do one more year with this crew, and we'll see if any other names uh, hit the the before the deadline get franchise tagged around the league. Usually, there's a lot fewer tags than you know the rumored tags that end up happening. But we do have a couple right. now that have been done. Matt, let's talk combine. I know you just got back from Indianapolis. Let's finish up with one more offensive tackle that we didn't cover Friday. The running back group, and then we'll. Start looking at the defensive side of the ball and those standouts from the combine there. I mean, just a ridiculous amount of speed being showcased at Lucas Oil Stadium this weekend. Coming up. The combine is over. I won some and lost some with those combine props at betonline.net. I hit the over on Rich Eisen. I had wide receiver as my uh, position that would end up with the fastest 40-yard dash time. It ended up being the DBs. Unofficially, I thought I had it, that 4-2-1. They got changed to a 4 Two eight, and then the unofficials of four two nine. Thought I still had it after the DBs initially ran, but then the uh, the 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 official times came in there. By the way, what are they feeding these young men at Baylor? Flying out there, uh, but you can have fun betting on all kinds of uh, draft props still at Bet Online, Super Bowl futures as well. Of course, betting on all other sports like basketball, uh, March Madness coming up there with the college hoops season, which is always a ton of fun to wager on. You've got hockey and boxing and UFC and your favorite Vegas casino games as well at betonline.net, the number one spot for all your sports betting needs and even other things like uh, just going to BetOnline for scores and news this season. So head over to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and all of the action at BetOnline, where the game starts. Big picture, Matt, did anything change for you at the Combine with the the top five or so names? And it's a revolving door depending on which mock draft you look at it, who's going to be the number one pick in this draft. And uh, I think nobody really hurt themselves amongst that group. Do you think anybody solidified the top spot? Uh, Evan Neal, offensive tackle from Alabama, just by showing up and looking very good at 300 and whatever, 35 pounds, 336 pounds that he is at six foot seven. Um, and just looking mean, even though he didn't work out, probably didn't hurt himself at all. But some of the other guys helped themselves by great workouts there. So do you see anything different at the top? You know, short arms for Aiden Hutchinson, even though he worked out and had a fantastic three cone time and ran well, you know, six foot seven, looks the part. Arm length, does that worry you if you're drafting number one? Do you want to check every single box if you're drafting that high? Yeah, I don't think you will this year, unfortunately. You know, I mean, it's not Chase Young. It's not Miles Garrett. Um, my impressions after last week are Neil and Ekwanu safe, worth it, premium position. But I do think the league is split between those two. You know, I mean, just depending what you're looking for, because I do think Ekwanu is still in the number one overall conversation. You mentioned the short arms with Hutchinson. And again, he's not Chase Young or Abosa, but he's did everything you wanted. He ran well. You mentioned his three cone was really good. His shuttle was really good. His interviews supposedly were awesome. 
Thibodeau only did a couple things. Uh, there's a 40 and I think one other thing maybe. And did them fine, really, really well, actually. His 10-yard split was awesome. But I would wonder if I'm Thibodeau. I don't think he's in the first overall conversation. But I think guys like Walker and maybe Ajabu might be even on his heels for number two edge guy. Uh, one name we didn't mention was last night's workouts was Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame. Didn't run great, but by all accounts, nobody specifically, you know, just, you know, really worried. One thing I predicted that a quarterback would start to get in this conversation probably isn't true. I mean, I, I think still six is, is the closest I could even consider anyone taking a quarterback. Mm. And I think that's about that's about it. I mean, I don't think there's any other names to really consider there. Yeah, Evan Neal, it's sort of like, okay, you're up now at Alabama's Pro Day. Evan Neal, if he wants to solidify that top spot, now has to throw down some crazy workout numbers since he did not work out. Don't screw combine. it up. Right, exactly. Maybe he could be that guy. I will say, Trent Baalke, GM of the Jacksonville Jaguars, have the number one pick. He is an arm-length guy and that could be the deciding factor or the tiebreaker for them to go offensive tackle along with their young quarterback they drafted last year, number one overall, rather than the pass rusher. So I'll throw that out there. And if I'm doing a mock today, I'm putting one of the tackles there, probably Evan Neal at number one because of that fact. Now, I think so too. Yeah, I mean, I think Ekwanu is a wonderful prospect, but Neal is a little more prototypical with tackle, you know, as a mm -hmm. tackle. Another tackle. Both would be awesome guards or right tackles or whatever, but you know, you know, take a note first overall for that. Another tackle, Matt, that has maybe pushed himself into the top ten conversation, not number one overall or anything, but this was a day two guy, maybe going into Senior Bowl week, and he dominated at Senior Bowl week. His film is so fun to watch. He, he's he's one of those guys when because offensive linemen aren't great for highlight clips you know usually it's like oh nice little <laughs> right, nice right. pass set against a pass rusher from a bad school or something you know it's hard maybe they get out on the run and knock somebody over but Trevor Penning is burying people in those highlight clips and I love seeing that then he shows up at the combine and had a ridiculous workout after an awesome week at the senior bowl and Trevor Penning shows up runs a 489 which is a really 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 good 40 time for an offensive tackle, especially a guy that went to Northern Iowa just to solidify his standing amongst peers at bigger colleges that were bigger recruits. And at 6'7", 325, 34 and a quarter inch arms, you know, big 10 plus inch hands as well. I mean, he's helped himself as much as anybody, made as much money as anybody, I think, in this draft process so far. Two things. First of all, prediction. Someday Vince McMahon will write this guy a check. <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah i like that whether football works out or not or if he goes to the hall of fame as the best tackle ever he'll get in the ring in the wwe at some point no doubt in my mind um also i think this is a great example of how the process really works like i bet if you asked the dude that covered the mac or the northern iowa area scout for the bears or the cardinals or seattle they said, this guy's a mid-first-round pick, you know, and now we're all starting to catch up. But, boy, the Senior Bowl, how much fun is he? You know, like at that point, I'm getting, you know, uh, comments left and right. Is Penning worth the 20th pick for the Steelers? Yeah, I think he is. He was probably the fourth tackle. And, and then, you know, after the Senior Bowl, I'm answering that same question. Yeah, but I don't think he gets past the Ravens a couple picks before the Steelers. And then he goes to the Combine and is awesome again. And now I'm sure Ravens fans are like, oh, I don't think he gets to us now. You know, does he get out of the top 12? Probably not. You know, he's a tackle that basically checks every box now. You know, the athleticism may have been a slight question, but you run under a 4-9 at that size. 
and his other drills were good too, you're going early. Oh, absolutely. There is going to be a run on offensive tackles and defensive ends in this draft yes, class, and yes. and including a defensive tackle that we'll talk about on tomorrow's show that just just put up some scary numbers, like frightens me watching Jordan Davis run a 40-yard dash. But we're not talking about him today. Let's talk about running backs now. Any standouts for you at running back in the workouts? Immediately to me, you know, Kenny Walker, Michigan State, running a 4-3-8, and Brees Hall running a 4-3-9, probably already the, the top two running backs in this class did they solidify themselves at one and two and I know Kenny Walker's not a big factor in the the pass game but if you're in one of those you know non-PPR dynasty leagues Kenny Walker I mean this guy is maybe the best pure runner in the league and then throws down a four three eight on top of it yeah I do think there might be both those dudes I think are fighting for number one and that's clear um again they're small uh, small sample size but Walker caught the football well in the drills, too. I mean, they just didn't throw to him. Uh, his protection was really bad at Michigan State, too. But depending, I mean, if I want a Nick Chubb type, maybe you take him over Hall. Uh, I do think that's a really good competition right now. Both of them far exceeded expectations with their times. A um, couple other dudes I think that have made money are, um, I think, Dalvin Cook's brother. You know, James Cook, to mm-hmm. me, was, was a nice uh, – I had a really nice showing. Same with Ty Chandler yeah. from North Carolina. I want to pause Those you real quick on James yeah. Cook because of his receiving ability, modern-day running back, right? And you watch his tape, and he is just not an inside runner at all. But those no, teams no. that want to get you guy wide, you know, get guys wide, wide zone, want to use him as a do-it-all player out of the backfield, as a receiver, he certainly solidified his athleticism in a way that will make you feel better. So maybe that is what gets him drafted, say, uh, you know, on day two rather than falling to day three. But still – when they go back to the tape, no team is going to say, we're going to draft James Cook and he's going to be our main running back because he just doesn't have that thump. No, right. I mean, he's not going to get 12 carries in a game probably. You know, I mean, he might get 6 to 10 at most on a, if he gets a heavy workload, but catch a lot of passes. Um, two names I didn't know much about that flew up the Football Outsiders speed score. You know, so it's kind of a combination of size and 40 time. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco from Rutgers, he ran a 437. And Pierre Strong from South Dakota State, he also ran a 437. Those are two names that will get drafted and you should know. Yes, and that's what's fun about this is in you, everyone, including me and you, Matt, I'm sure, and every draft Nick out there, and every, you know, there's a lot of people that probably knew about Pierre Strong more so mm-hmm. than me because I was late getting into this draft process and looking at a lot of guys. But you see that 437, you see South Dakota State, you see 36 inch vertical, and you say, uh, I'm going to go back and check out this guy Pierre Strong and, and see what right, that tape right. looks like and you know it, with the, with that athleticism you better be dominating at a small school and that's what's important too and so when you see a guy dominate in college and then he shows you know sort of like the the Trevor Penning conversation and obviously Pierre Strong's not gonna be a first round pick or anything like that but um, you want to see a guy dominate at his level at a small school first of all and then if he does that, and then he shows he has the height, weight, speed of the big boys, right? Then it's like, okay, now we're in business. Now we're talking. So, right. yeah, going back to the tape on some of these is, is probably the biggest thing for me to when you see someone run. And there's a few prospects I've already gone back to the tape, and it's like, oh, the tape is disgusting still. Like, I can't get on board with it, you know. <laughs> but Pierre yeah. Strong might be one of the the uh, the opposite, where you go back to the tape, and you're like, okay, this guy can play. And that's why there's so many late-round running backs that end up making good in the NFL. Yep. I know we're up against it. I have two small little nuggets to finish off the podcast. I'm sticking with the running backs. Notre Dame's Kyron Williams, I think, really hurt himself. I mean, 
bad, bad scores across the board. And his tape is good, but he's little and he tested poorly. We know what that ends up ending up with on draft day. And I mentioned how we have more content than we can even get to this week. What I'm going to do tonight is I'm working on my top five edge rushers. So I'm getting to the defensive side of the ball for my top five. So um, right. edge rushers and linebackers are going to be really hard to sort out. Absolutely. That'll be fun. Let's get into the defensive side of the ball here. Some of Matt's top fives post-combine, the standouts from the combine on the defensive side of the ball. You're right, man. I'm looking at Kyron Williams now, 5'9", 194. Bad. So he's short. He's light. Really short arms, bad 28 jumps. and five eights, bad jumps, uh, four six five forty yard dash, which begs the question: This guy had tons of eligibility left. He's a redshirt sophomore and entered early. Who is advising Kyron Williams? That that was a bad decision. He really, I mean, he better have a respectable pro day. Yes, respectable pro day. That doesn't mean he's going to be a bad NFL player, by the way. It just means he's going to be drafted a lot later, and he's going to have to, you know, earn that second contract instead of you know getting a little bit of money uh, right out of the draft. Right, right, right. No one's going to look at him and be like, he's a, he's going to be a, a, a component to our offense in, in year one. Yes. It's, we'll bring him in and see if he can make the team. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It goes from being like, okay, we're going to make a plan for this guy to, oh, he's still on the board. Maybe he can make our roster. Yeah, and we like a lot of the other stuff about him. That is the running backs from the Combine in 2022. We'll go defensive side of the ball starting tomorrow and some of Matt's top fives, and I'm sure an endless supply of news as we travel through the offseason. Thanks for making us your first listen. For your second listen, check out Matt doing Locked On Dynasty. Uh, your team is covered right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast with Eric Crocker and Ryan Tracy talking about everything draft every single day. They've got the latest mock draft up for Mock Draft Monday Today, Matt and I back tomorrow right here, Peacock and Williamson.